Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. We're up to episode 68, and I could not be more thrilled than to bring you my conversation with the exceptionally talented and wildly charismatic Jose Rolan of Jose Rolan Events. He's also the first social media darling I've ever had on the podcast. He has over 100,000 followers between Instagram and TikTok. Just go to NYC Gay Dad and you'll see just a heartwarmingly loving father of three trying to cope with, you know, bored kids during COVID. Jose Rolan Events alone has over 10,000 followers on Instagram. So he's doing something right. Everybody loves him. And I talked to him for an hour and a half and I love him. So sit back and relax and enjoy this truly engaging conversation with the one and only Jose Rolan. How are you? Good. What's going on? You look incredible. Well, you look official. Yeah, but you got a real shirt on them. That's all right. I should change my shirt. Okay, hold on one sec. Cool. Sure. Okay, so during this COVID time that we're all suffering, in this time, two people have emerged in Instagram. And I mean this as a supreme compliment. David Beam as sort of the quiet, soft-spoken poet laureate of the industry and you as the populist American hero. Uh, that, that makes me, I don't know why that makes me uncomfortable because it feels so grand, but um, I, I appreciate whatever you're getting from that and, and, and how you feel, but thank you so much. I mean, there's so many wonderful people in our industry doing some really incredible things and uh, you know, David Beam, as you know, I, I love him so much. And, yeah. you know, he's like what I call the adult, one of the adults in the industry. Exactly. And, you know, I still, you know, it's interesting. We were calling, there's a group of us that call ourselves the kids. We're the kids and they're the adults. And I think some of us certainly through COVID have graduated to, the adults. you know, or t I'd say teenagers, right? <laughs> I'm not sure if we're quite ready uh to label ourselves as the adults and i think i've had them all on recently except ryan yeah who's coming on on thursday oh fantastic yeah i mean i love them all and i look up to them all and you know certainly they've been a source of comfort throughout COVID to see what they're doing and certainly you know to see them i don't want to say they weren't humanizing themselves prior to COVID, sure. but you know, they've been really transparent and raw with what's been going on in their businesses. And um, I think that's helped a lot of us as well um, to be able to be open and really share what's been going on on the back end. Yeah. So in a nutshell, yeah, what I was talking about with Instagram, because I, I think that sort of speaks for itself. Yeah. Type in N-Y-C-G-A-Y-D-A-D, New York City Gay Dad. And yeah. it's just brilliant. Little 20 second videos, obviously shot from what, your phone or? All on my iPhone, yeah, that's right. That's the populist American hero that I'm officially giving you the title of. And so that's the playful side of you, that's the loving dad side of you, that's the side of you that I've come to love even though we never met. You never talk on Instagram about being a wedding planner. On my personal, on NYC Gay Dad, you know, I, I don't talk about my business very often. Every now and then I might do a crossover here and there, but 
Yeah, you did a funny one the other day where you, sh where you said when you share your screen on a Google chat with a client. Yeah, right. <laughs> to get yeah. through, you know, <laughs> menus for the kids and whatever pictures. You yeah, have. I mean, I, I think, that, you know, regardless of, you know, what industry you're in, we can all relate to that moment. You're, you're about to go on with your clients and you yeah. forget that you're supposed to share your screen and you just have to remember to log off things that you may not want them to see. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Doug, the one thing I will say, though, is, you know, in response to speaking about my business is, of course, there's my business, Instagram, Jose Rolón Events. And that is somewhere where everybody can find all the information. Which is hysterical because I didn't even know that existed. It exists. It's out there. Somebody told me about NYC Gay Dad. I think Erica. Yeah. I think Erica Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try something. This is the first. You ready? Sure. But I'm going to try and screen share something with you for 22 seconds. Sure. Now, if I hit share screen, will I be able to see your reaction as well as? Uh, it's unclear. I'm not sure, but let's go for it and see what happens. Okay. Uh, here it comes. Oh, Gina and Sheena. I love those girls. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I just want to say one thing. Jose's yeah. schedule is very, very tight being a single father of three. So we've limited this down to an hour with Gina and Gina. No exaggeration. Three hours on the clock. And I would never say that to anybody else because I would scare them away from doing a podcast. Okay, watch. Okay, go. I have a feeling you might embarrass me. Hey, you had your chance, buddy. <laughs> Those ladies, they're so refreshing in the industry, aren't they? Oh, my God. They're, they're just doing really big things right now, and they just know how to play the game in the most graceful way. I mean, they always come into the scene with such positivity, and they, of course, as you know, they look, always look stunning. They were so delightful. The first time I think I met them was at Wedding Lux uh, conference. Okay. And yeah, I mean, they walk in and you swear that they have like light and smoke behind them and automatic, automatic doors as they walk in. <laughs> and they're not trying to make an entrance, but you know when they're in the room. When they come up to you and they are hugging you and they are loving up on you as they do, uh, it's genuine, it comes from the heart, and it's, it's who they are with everything that they touch from their camera to the people in the industry that they love and respect all the way to the clients. Um, they're just always on it. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. That's I, beautiful. and they're doing big things, you know, and they, you know, they've gone to a lot of the engaged that were just in Dubai We're speaking together. They were going to be speak together at the next engage in December. So neither one of us are clear where we're going to be necessarily, but I, I feel honored sure, to be, be you know, amongst Marcy Bloom and some of these, you know, I'm speaking alongside with a lot of the adults in the industry, along with Gina and Sheena, you know, Fallon Carter, a lot of new people that have been rising in the industry. And Erica Taylor and Erica. Yeah, all, all good people, you know? So I feel really honored to be side by side with them to speak on whatever it is we're gonna speak about. Yeah, do you know what you're gonna speak about? I do have some ideas. I mean, one of the things that I've been speaking about is, uh, you know, moving through grieving while you're building a business. And I think, you know, that's something that we'll all experience regardless, whether if it's a bad, you know, going through a bad relationship, losing someone, um, you know, 42%, you know, even divorce, right? You know, yeah. divorce rates at, I think, uh, 45, 50%. Um, I think it always was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and well, it, it's kind of sad to see how it's steadied. Um, yeah. Within five years, 40, I think 48% of us are going to experience someone close to us passing. 
And so, you know, how do you move through grieving while still building your business? And I think also what's come to light also is we are all experiencing some form of grieving as a result of COVID, right? Yeah. So we were not working. Um, we have spouses that have lost their jobs. There's no, so there's no money there, coming in. There's no money coming in. And so, and I think we were all sort of experiencing a form of grieving to begin with all the stages from, you know, shock, denial, anger, all the way through acceptance. Yeah. But that was under the condition we were all going to come back in the fall, right? <laughs> right. So once, once we realized we weren't coming back in the fall, there was this sort of new rising of grieving all over again. And so, you know, I think it's been really challenging, really hard for a lot of us in the industry. And so how do you how do you move through that? So that's something I'm hoping to speak about or something along those lines. Yeah, I've already that's a good time. started. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started doing some version of that with a couple other places I've spoken for NACE and and uh, some other areas. So yeah. So let's see. Nothing's finalized yet. But. Okay. So play the video that should have come on your phone, and I will play it as you're watching it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Go ahead. So I'm gonna. I'll press play. Ready? I'll press play like this so we could sort of all see. Oh, perfect. Great. Hi, Jose. Hi, Jose. We're alone. Um, we want to know who you mentally channel when you dance, when you get in your zone, when you get in your zone, when you're and you gone. do your little thing. Yeah. Who are you channeling? And if you're not channeling anyone, ooh, does he have a name? Ooh. Oh, like an or alter ego you, kind of name? Ask, yeah. Who's your alter ego dancer What's that you channel name? when you go? Uh, I love it. Um, so, what they're what they're referring to is. I think anybody in the industry who has seen me at a networking event, they know that the dance floor is my happy place. <laughs> and I think networking events are necessary. And I think I'm pretty good at it, but I don't necessarily want to talk most of the time. Uh, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd rather just be on the dance floor and whoever wants to connect with me, I love for them to connect. And, and people that know me pretty well knows that like, I also, you want to come join me on the dance floor? Don't start asking me about work. That's the worst. That's like, <laughs> it puts a turn off for me when someone joins me on the dance floor and they're like, hey, so listen, you know, what do you think about working together? Or yeah. uh, what do you think about this event and that event? Like, I don't want that at all. Or having somebody actually give me their business card on the dance floor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's bad. But I, I've always loved music. Uh, I always loved dancing. So my parents used to compete dancing salsa i was going to ask you what your parents did for a living yeah so my well yeah and we can get deep into that but my dad was a firefighter until i was five or six mm -hmm. and then he became a drug dealer and i would do uh drug runs with him as a child he was you know he was an addict and so you know that as you can imagine created some wild times and my mother was first a counselor at a halfway house. I don't think they call them halfway houses anymore. Right. Uh, and then she transitioned into, she went to beauty school and then, you know, cut hair for many, many, many years. So wait a minute, your father became an addict at the same time that your mother was a counselor? Isn't that amazing? And I, you know what? Is that, sh wait a minute, can I just tell you? Yeah. It sort of just all occurred to me now as you, <laughs> as you said it out loud, like, yeah, my, my mom's job was to help people that were transitioning from jail or, dr or drug addiction into, uh, you know, it's funny, at first she was, she was with, on, on an all male house, but then she didn't like how the men were hitting on her. So she transitioned to an all female one, but then she got a little uncomfortable with the women hitting on her. 
So she went right back to the boys. That's funny. Yeah, but it, it, it yeah, it's kind of shocking just to think that that's what my mom did. And then at some point through that, my, my father veered off and, you know, and at some point I remember visiting my father at a halfway house, but this was long after my mom was doing it. So, wow. you know, my parents were young, you know, they had me at 16 years old. So, you know, when I was five, they were only, you know, 21 years old. And so yeah. they were still doing all the things that kids do. And one of the things they loved doing was competing in dance competitions for salsa. They were both amazing. Like, <sighs> you know, you talk, you talk about Gina and Sheena, when my parents walked into a club, everybody knew it and um and they also wow. i guess yeah i'm it's so interesting just through this uh interview we're having i'm seeing deeper parallels i've always seen the parallels but i'm seeing them a little bit deeper now jose i've i've spent half my life in shrink's office i'm i'm you know I'm <laughs> so they familiar with the <laughs> yeah so they would they would channel uh they they would just love being on the dance floor and it was like all eyes on them and they they enjoyed that and they competed for money and for trophies. And I remember one of their proudest moments was I was like six or seven and they came in and they talked about how it was like 15 couples. It got down to two couples and it was them between them and a gay couple. And they thought for sure they were going to lose and they ended up beating the gay couple. And it was like one of their proudest moments in competition. <laughs> uh, so they were pretty, you know, they're in, in a lot of ways they were really, really amazing and young and feisty and loving life. And so that part of them, um, there's parts of them that I've adopted. And I think that part of just being on the dance floor, I mean, I, you know, certainly being Puerto Rican, uh, Latin, having that blood in me, it, it, it helps and it does come a bit more naturally to me to, to be on the dance floor. But so I think when Gina and Sheena are commenting or asking the question, who am I channeling? I would say I'm probably channeling a little bit of, of my mom and my parents, because that's what they did you know, they wow. a little bit of competition. I mean, and also people know that I love Michael Jackson. And so, you know, every time that an MJ song comes on, a band plays it, you know, I'm going to bust out with a moonwalk or, you know, something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even uh, the drum fill in the beginning of Rock With You. Yeah. To me is one of the great openings of anything. You know, it's yeah. a two bar drum fill. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think what the women in the industry love is they like to be twirled, right? Uh, so they, yeah. so I think, you know, Gina and Chino appreciating that side of me and Erica and all these other, I think that's- Oh, that you can like lead as a dancer. Yeah, like a and real, I think, that, like I think that's, you know, in part with what they're speaking to in their question is like, you know, what am I channeling? Because for me, it's the Latin music comes on and I'm in it and I just want to grab whatever person is nearby and just have a good time with them. And so, yeah, there's videos out there with me and Michelle Rago and even Marcy, Gina and Sheena, Erica. Um, so oh, that is funny. So yeah, I, that, that's, that's sweet of them. I, I, I love the dance floor. It's my happy place. Anybody who knows me knows that. And it sounds like it was for your parents. And it was for my parents. Exactly. Yeah. It was probably, it was probably the only place they ever got along was on the dance floor. <laughs> Were they, um, born in the United States or? Both of them were born in Puerto Rico, but uh, they moved here at a young age. Cause remember they were 16 when they had me and I was born in Massachusetts. So they spent most of their adult life uh, in Massachusetts. So how'd you make your way to New York and the foundry? Well, how I made my way to New York was, I was in a, I was in a, a bit of a rocky relationship uh, back in Massachusetts. 
know, I used that to, to escape. I wanted to get away from the relationship. And so I thought, you know, I had already lived in LA uh, back in 97. Mm -hmm. I had moved to LA 97 to pursue acting. And at the time I was with an addict. And so that proved to be a, a bit of a rocky stay. Wait, you with I, what? So I, I was with a boyfriend who was an addict at the oh, time. Oh, an addict, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that kind of caused us to move back sooner than we had hoped. And then- uh, Was he an actor as well? He wasn't an actor, yeah. Um, he, did, uh, he did other things, but I think because I felt like I, I hadn't finished or pursued fully what I wanted to do in terms of acting, I had done mm -hmm. like some commercials and some independent short films. Oh, you did? Um, I did, yeah. And then, so I thought, you know, maybe New York is the next best thing. I could be close to my family. I'm not moving too far. And so when I moved here in 99, mm -hmm. I did some, I did, I was on, you know, I did Shakespeare and I did a couple more independent short films. I had a commercial on the Spanish channel that helped me financially for years, for 10 years. Oh, yeah. I was getting royalties and it was like a, one of those like cheesy anti-smoking commercials. It was similar to the Truth Campaign, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just like the Spanish version of that. And uh, But it paid the bills. Paid the bills, yeah. And I think like, you know, most aspiring actors, I think that, you know, you fall into the, the restaurant business because it's easy money. And so I had done that for years. I had uh, opened up as the general manager to two restaurants in Chelsea. But by the time I turned 30, I thought, you know, all the partying and the drinking and even, you know, dabbling into drugs as well. Like, I think when you're that young in New York City, it's so easy to just grab whatever's near you. Yeah. And living that lifestyle, I knew that if I didn't get out by the time I turned 30, that I would probably be in trouble. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was never addicted to anything. And I don't necessarily have an addictive personality. But, you know, as long as something is there, I'm just going to grab it. And so, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, and then from there, I... Did, had a video editing business uh, where I would take people's old home videos oh, wow. and create short films out of them. And then long story short there, technology changed. Um, and five years in, I was ready to get away from the computer. So, but then when my husband and I, when, when we decided to get married, I love the process of getting married. And so everybody kept saying, maybe this is a different way of you to be able to tell somebody's story instead of uh, telling them their stories through editing their home videos. Or being on the stage. Or being on the stage, yeah. And so... We got married at the Foundry, which at the time and still is considered to be one of the coolest places to get married in New York City. And so I know it well. When we first made contact, I, I sent you pictures of, of one of my favorite weddings I ever did. And it was at the Foundry. Yeah, that's right. That, and you, I remember you said that was what, 14? I think it was 2013, November 2013. And this article I had read about you said that you left in March of 13. That's right. So that was right after I left. But yeah, I was there for two and a half years. I loved working there. But um, when my husband and I decided to start a family, I mm -hmm. was faced, at the time, I was faced with two decisions. Am I gonna be a stay-at-home dad, which was super appealing to me at the time, or yeah. do I stay at the foundry? Now, what I realized at the foundry was, I was getting paid well, but I was working a lot of hours, and I also peaked in terms of the experience I was gaining. And then I realized that I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad the reason was because I was, it was my fear of failing, right? So if I started my own business, what does it look like if I fail? And so I realized that I was avoiding that. So I sort of have a, had a come to Jesus moment that I could have the best of both worlds, which is I can still launch my business, which would allow me to be 
the kind of father I want to be, create the hours that I want. Um, and then I can still do what I love to do, which is to tell other people's stories and be creative with it. And I love what I love about wedding planning. It's every client is a different project. Every wedding is a different project. And you're dealing with different personalities. And yeah, I fell in love with it. And it's been pretty incredible ever since, you know, of course, we're in the middle of COVID now. And we yeah. have we all we're all experiencing similar challenges. But I still love what I do. And I'm looking forward to coming out on the other end of it. <laughs> um, would you go back to one thing so people sure. understand you, you were working at the Foundry, a place that uh, I've been to myself and played. I was talking to Gina and Sheena and they were saying that when they did a wedding, I think it was this one in Dubai, and they said that they were working for 17 straight hours. <laughs> that wasn't including getting dressed, going to the event, coming back. So, and, and I always say that too, like a, a four hour wedding to me is 10 hours. Yeah. But working at, at a, a venue, yeah. you know, on a Saturday, what would you say would the, your hours be? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Sometimes you're doing, when you when you work at a venue outside of the actual event that's happening on the day of, you're also giving tours in the morning, right? Because you pushed a lot of that, those uh, meetings in the morning so that it's not interrupting any of the events that are being produced. I'd say on an average, most of my weddings are 14, 16 hour days. Yeah. I'd say my record is 22 hours. It was a Polish wedding uh, <laughs> with four different locations. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they love to party and they love to drink, certainly. And so, you know, that went on till four in the morning, but hair and makeup started at 6am. That's what I that's really what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, some of those days are long days. And, and that was in the beginning of my career. And so I think uh, certainly, all that looks very differently on my contracts. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I cap off at 14 hours, anything beyond that. It's going to, you know, it's going to be an add on. And that was a lesson learned from the, from that wedding in particular. But that's yeah. how that's how business goes. Right. You, you you probably start off with a contract that's this big. Right. And, uh, you know, now my contract is a is a few pages long. Yeah. My contract is one page. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's impressive. Yeah. I figured it, it says, you know, I'm going to be there and play and you're going to pay me 14 days before the event. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Because I used to do parties for a lot of law firms. Mm -hmm. and, and I asked one of them, and they said, just literally keep it simple. The more fine print you put in, the more doubt you put into people's minds. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer playing for weddings or corporate, corporate gigs? Honestly, I do mostly weddings. Mostly, so I should yeah. say weddings, but I, until 2008, when, the, when everything fell apart economically, I'd say 40% of my business was corporate. And I love that because they would call me in, in January and say, okay, we're having a partner's party in February at the whale room. We're having a summer associate party, Christmas party. And you know, there were four parties a year, yeah. every year. Yeah. And if you have like four or five law firms like that, that's a nice, and they're all during the week. Of course it is <laughs> the beauty of corporate, right? You're not dealing with the emotions of it all and different types right. of personalities. Typically they're like, here's our budget, make it work. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of beauty in that. And and it's a, I could see why it is appealing. I mostly do weddings, but I also have become more open to doing more corporate, especially as my kids get older. And mm -hmm. this means I'll be able to spend more weekends with them. The, the girls are twins. Yeah, they're twins, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so my, my son, they're 15 months apart. My son is 
seven years old and the girls are six. So they're, they're really close in age. Okay. And another thing that I want people to understand is that us in this industry, we can work from home. We don't have to have a showroom necessarily. If you're, if you're selling wedding dresses, you have to have a showroom. But you can do a lot, a great deal of it. You don't necessarily have to have an office. Um, certainly, I think a lot of people in the industry feel that way now, being in the middle of COVID. But, you know, I was in an interesting, I saw a really great panel. I might get in trouble for this one, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, <laughs> Colin Cowie was on a panel with Michelle Rago. And um, I think Linda Easton, Lynn Easton, sorry, was on there. And I can't remember who was moderating. And I look, Cowie is, he's a god in our industry. You know, he's been around for, for forever now, I think. He's on Mount Rushmore. He's going on 30 years here. He's on Mount Rushmore, right? Um, but you know, I, part of him at the time was really frustrated with the wedding industry and how it's become oversaturated, which is 100% true. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in his mind, he was like, you know, I am not able to pay for this department and that department and my designers and my uh, planners and X, Y, and Z. And so, and, and he, you know, and he is right. I think that, you know, what, in terms of it being oversaturated before when you wanted it to be a luxury, when you wanted a luxurious wedding, mm -hmm. you called, you called Cowie because there was only a few, what, there was him, there was Preston Bailey, a couple mm -hmm. other people. You only called, if you were in the UK and you wanted a, a luxury over the top wedding, you, you'd fly in Cowie, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, his, his issue comes with feeling like almost anybody could do anybody's job, which isn't, which isn't true, but. So it comes off as like, I kind of invented this style and everybody. There's a little bit of that, but he was on the panel being really frustrated because he couldn't, you know, he was going to have trouble keeping up with this paying this office, the rent and his designers and all that. Then Michelle Rago in the same, you know, in the same moment was like, I love you, Cowie, but the reality is I saw what the kids in the industry were doing. They're all up on the couch in their underwear and their laptops planning the same type of weddings that we've been planning. You know, I, I'm, I'm uh, exaggerating there. Of but, course, yeah. But her point is like, I moved my office into, I got rid of my departments. Yeah. I, I don't have a design wing. You know, I don't have a West wing and East wing. And, and I just moved myself to my apartment and she downsized because she realized that that was the way to move forward. Uh, and, and it also didn't mean anything in your status because it meant you were sort of downgrading uh, your department or your staff. You can still do the quality of work and make more money yeah. uh, by just being a little bit more resourceful in, in the things that you have. I think, you know, before the perception was the cameras need to see, you know, right now, I mean, we're, we're talking right now, I'm on a friend's, I'm in a friend's apartment, right. a really nice one. I was like, great, natural lighting. This laptop is literally being propped up by two Lego boxes and a third <laughs> box. And a third box, I have no idea what's in it. Some probably some paraphernalia. I have no idea. But you know, this is this is what being resourceful is about. And yeah. I think that people in the industry are learning to do that. And I think some of the adults in the industry are also learning ways to shave off and you know, hopefully we're inspiring others as well. And so I kind of see myself, you know. I, I loved your compliment in the beginning. I really appreciate that. It was a little yeah. embarrassing, but I still see myself in the middle of the road. You know, I know that I'm inspiring some folks coming up, but I very much, 
you know, see the adults in the industry as people I admire. And so I learned from them and I learned from their mistakes too. And hopefully the people coming behind me are learning from my mistakes as well. Right. Um, What do you see as trends for 2021 or do you not dare to think? Yeah, trends for 2021, I mean, it's a wild question, right? Because nobody knows what the hell 2021 is going to look like. But what I will say is, and this was already happening before, but like pre-COVID, but I think weddings are going to get smaller. And it's kind of bad news for caterers and florists because it also means that their proposals are going to come in less, right? Like planners, we typically, planners and designers, we typically make what we make regardless. Same thing with musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're going to make what we're going to make regardless of the right. size of the event. Right. Um, but one of the things I give talks on is the Gen Z generation. So the oldest Gen Z is 24 years old and the youngest is seven. And these are the next people that are coming up. These are people that we need to think about and cater to. And what we're seeing with Gen Z generation is they already wanted smaller events. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. You know, what's really fascinating about Gen Z is that they are what we call authentic activists. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and what I mean by that is they're going to be the generation that's going to make more of an impact than any generation to come in a really long time. I'll give you one example, you know, where, as you know, we've been experiencing a larger movement of Black Lives Matter. And oh my God, yeah. All the marches we've seen previously before this year, you would see a sea of people of color. What you've seen this time around, you know, and I think as a whole, generations are more aware than they were before. But the sea that you're seeing now, you're seeing a lot of white, young kids yeah. at, at Black Lives Matter. Those are what we call the the Gen Z. These are the authentic activists because they're not growing up with these sort of types of separations that we saw um, in our media or having, you know, the uh, the, the, the token black person on the show or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the one gay character, right? Yeah. They, they're, they're a generation that, is, that have grown up with not understanding why it's not collectively... Why wouldn't they, they, it's not, it's like, why wouldn't things be more diverse, right? So you have the millennials that are like, some of it's a bit forced, right? Like, oh, I have to make sure I have, you know, a black person on my staff or an LGBT person on my, on my staff. The the Gen Z generation, they're like, I don't understand why, I don't understand why that's a thing. Why is that that an issue? It it just is. And so for them, wherever they see any injustices, they're right out there and they're, they're advocating and they're marching. And so how that translates into their own weddings and their own events, mm-hmm. they want to make sure that whatever they have at their wedding is going to be impactful and have thoughts that are larger outside of their own. Um, you know, something, what, what's going to be impactful outside of their own wedding? I know that we were, you know, may have, we were going to get into it, but it's part of the reason why I started. No, no, this is I, great. This is great. Any tangential thing that, you know, where we go. Yeah, I mean, this is part of the reason why I started Impact with Choice. You know, what that is, is all of my couples that come on, you have to choose one of three ways to... All right, uh, explain that. When when couples sign on with me, you have to make a choice to either donate your flowers, donate your food, or donate your registry. Oh, that's great. So for 2% of your budget... I, we're, we're kind of going off of most of my couples have $100,000 for their budget. Okay. So 2% of your budget is two grand. You can't say that a couple doesn't have two grand to donate, right, uh, right, right. donate their flowers, right? So I've partnered up with Forget Me Not. And what they do is they come in, yes. they take your flowers, 
and they will go ahead and they'll donate it to an organization that you believe in, right? Oh, that's great. Same thing with food. We work with Chips, uh, Chips Shelter mm -hmm. uh, here in Brooklyn and $1,000, so this is 1% of your budget, $1,000 feeds uh, 70 meals. It houses a mom and their infant for two months and our team will still take the food from your event and we'll make sure that it's delivered the night of your events to feed um, the homeless. And the last option, we partnered up with Cocoa Bundle. If you wanna do a free option, uh, instead of your guests donating to, uh, to your home, things that you may need, and most of my couples are older, um, your guests- well, Older are meaning what, 35? 30s, 40s, yeah. yeah. So, it, so then your guests are actually donating uh, a, a registry to somebody who's coming out of homelessness into a brand new home. So it could be someone of the LGBT community or a woman of domestic violence. Oh, and wow. so the reason I set this model up is there's so many companies out there that will, uh, for example, there's Leah of ColourPop. I love her. I love that 5% of the proceeds goes to the LGBT rights, right? And, I, and look, I think that's fantastic, mm -hmm. but I wanted to create a model that instead of having your instead of having my clients donate to something I believe in, I wanted to make sure they were donating to something they believe in. That's great. And, and this circles back to Gen Z, right? With the Gen Z generation, we have to be better. Everybody just has to shut up, right? Everybody has, <laughs> we, have to be, we have to be better listeners and that's what Gen Z wants. They want, they want to be heard. They want, they, we need to know what is impactful and important to them. And so for them, if they're planning their own wedding, they might have a mom that passed away of breast cancer. They might have a sibling who may have uh, suffered from depression and you know, left the home and it, maybe that's attached to uh, their, you know, coming to terms with their own sexuality. So depending on what you as a client are feeling, like what impacts you, there is something within those three models because within those three models of donating your flowers, food and registry, there's about 15 organizations under one of those three that you get to donate to oh, based on what, wow. it, what it is that you are impacted by. And even if, do, does someone have a choice to bring something that you hadn't maybe not listed? Like if their mother had died of a heart Absolutely. attack, they can do the American Absolutely. Heart Association yeah. or something. You know. There's always a fourth option, right? If, if they come to me and say, look, I love what I see here under this umbrella with all these different organizations, right. but this organization over here has been so dear to my heart, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is freaking brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk off camera about how I can make that a part of my business. I think that's great. Yeah, I think, look, and it's something that I talk about, and it, I know that people have asked me questions about it, and some people have tiptoed with me around it because I know that it's a model that hasn't been done in our industry. And so people have said, can I ask you questions about it? I'm like, yo, I want everybody in the industry to steal impact with choice. Yeah. I want, imagine, imagine with that model, there's a second part to that model that I could explain at another time okay. where, where wellness is involved, but for time's sake, if everybody in the industry adopted the impact with choice model, I mean, we are, what, what is this a $500 billion industry, whatever it is, the New York Times reported not that long ago. Imagine everybody did that and how impactful it would be in our, oh especially now, especially yeah. people that uh, are dealing with so much because of COVID. We would have a massive impact if everybody took impact with choice. I, I welcome it. And, and I, I've sent out like, if you, 
if you want information on it, I'm giving you everything that I have. Just run with it. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And it's called Impact with Choice. Impact with Choice, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I, believe it or not, I actually wrote down a question. When love moves you, there are two, uh, there are two uh, mantras. You ready? Yeah. Unexpected combinations. <laughs> I took that from that YouTube. You might have just improvised that, but I thought it was actually good. Uh -huh. Unexpected combinations and all over your website, it says when love moves you. Oh, thank you. I, I think it's very, very touching. I appreciate that research and that acknowledgement. That was a really, that was my baby last year. I really, I hadn't done an inspiration shoot in, gosh, probably since I started in the business. What's an inspiration shoot? So it's, it's pretty common in our industry to do something to showcase what is possible. It could be a photo shoot or a video shoot showcasing who you are as a company, as a person, hopefully clients and other people in the industry can be inspired by it and, and see that what is possible from that can be translated into certainly their own needs. So it's kind of a promotional tool. Yeah, it's a promotional tool. I shied away from it. I mean, they're expensive. They're not cheap to produce because uh, even though it was easier for me this time than it was years ago, just because I was still new. And so to ask people to do free stuff was yeah, yeah, far yeah. more challenging. Where this time, you know, because I've been fortunate to be able to help other vendors get work through my couples, they were more willing to, they're obviously willing to help me out and make things, you know, make me look good. Yeah. But they're still expensive. You still have to uh, tip certain people and you still have to rent a space out if, if that's a thing. But yeah, I, it had never been done in my, in, in any inspiration shoots where you know, one of the things that I've loved, I love in movies and commercials is where there's this one shot video without editing. It's a whole scene being played out, but the camera doesn't cut at all. And so oh, great. I wanted, I wanted to create that moment. Is that a call? Is that called a one shot? It's not called a one shot. It's called, um, uh, tracking. It's called tracking. Oh, tracking shot. Okay. Got it. Yeah, Tracking. And so, uh, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure a videographer watching this will, <laughs> will correct me. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to do the experience of a couple walking into the venue and experiencing cocktail hour, their ceremony area, their, uh, their, oh, what, wow. um, what eating looks like, their dining area, what that setup looks like. I wanted to be able to do that in two and a half minutes without a single cut. There's one exception, but you can't tell because we manipulated the footage to make it look like one seamless shot. But because of my background in dancing, I also wanted my couple to dance through the space. Oh, wow. And through that, through that experience of seeing this couple choreographed beautifully by my friend, Bernardo Grace, he's a Juilliard trained dancer and a very dear friend oh, of mine. Wow. And so yeah. to be able to showcase a young couple and a Latin couple, by the way, uh, to be able to move through this space dancing, it was sort of through that experience where the title evolved of When Love Moves You. Now, where did that come from? I had one model that canceled last minute and my friend Renardo said one of my dancers can come in to substitute. Oh, wow. It clicked for me. Why don't we have this couple dance through the whole scene, the whole shot? And so just in that process, as I was sort of doing my visual board and all that stuff, I was like, what, what am I going to call this? What am I going to call this? And then, yeah, when love moves, you just 
popped in my head. I went on Google to make sure that it wasn't something that was taken anywhere. And yeah, copyright. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to like get in trouble. And um, and yeah, it worked out really well. And and I was able to present it at when I went to engage to a lot of again a lot of the adults in the industry, and they also just were reiterating how wonderful it was and that nothing like this in the industry had been done. So that validation from adults was really powerful for me. Sure. Uh, and knew that I was on the right track. That's fantastic. And what was, what was the second? Oh, unexpected combinations. I, I personally, as a human being, I know people don't like surprises. I love surprises. When somebody wants to give me a surprise, I don't want to, I don't want hints. I don't, want to even try to like snoop around. would you repeat what you when when i told you because i don't like to surprise people if they don't want to be surprised i had asked gina and sheena yeah. if they want to ask you a question and they said yeah all right ask him this and i said you know what you ask it <laughs> and it ended up being 22 seconds but yeah and i said do you want to know in advance and i said no and you said yeah yeah you said no i love being surprised. i love being surprised and and I want, I want that for the guests. I want that experience for the guests that come in for all of my couples. I always want there to be an element of surprise. So typically when I put my timelines out, I usually have a 20, there's every 20 minutes, there should be something new happening. You know, whether if it's like an electric violinist yeah. coming out or, you know, an all female mariachi band, whatever it is, like I want my couples and guests, and even my couples, they're quite often, I end up having a surprise for my couples that they don't know about. And so, assuming that they do like surprises, right? I always wanna make sure that they're okay. Um, but, yeah. But also being, being, you know, having conversation. Yeah. I mean, that, that was big in, in when I was talking with Gina Jane. I literally haven't put it out yet, but they kept on both saying, conversation with the client is so important. Yeah. So you get to know them. So you know if you if you do something to surprise them, it's not going to embarrass them. That's right. That's yeah. right. And and you know with unexpected uh, with unexpected combinations, yeah. which what you were referring to, I mean that also comes in the form of being surprised and having an element of surprises, right? For example, I love mixing you know uh, vintage stuff with modern stuff or industrial stuff with one of the things we created once was a steel sphere uh, that had a crystal chandelier in the center of this steel uh, sphere. And we <laughs> used that as a, just basically a statement piece. We created nine of them. You know, to be able to combine crystal and steel is an unexpected combination. And I think, you know, obviously you have to... Now, where does that fit in in a $100,000 budget? Uh, the, their budget was a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I, I, I may have pulled in a couple of favors for that one, but, but yeah, I, uh, that those are the kind of things that I speak to when, when you see things out there about me, you know, doing, having unexpected combinations. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. I think I, when I first read, I feel like I could write your biography. I've read so much on, on uh, <laughs> and you, I think you had said that after your yeah. own wedding at the foundry. Yeah that you actually worked at the foundry for free for a year? I didn't work there free for a year, but I, I pimped myself out to work there for a year for free. I, I basically walked in and I said, I will, I see that your website is horrible. <laughs> you know, it was a black background with red writing. So it looked really demonic. 
Um, That's funny. I had experience with website design and social media and all that. So I said, I will revamp your website. I will work a year. For, I will intern for free at 33 years old, by the way. I yeah, mean, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. At 33 years old, I walked in. I said, I will work a year for free if you just allow me to uh, learn. learn events. And, nice. you know, who's not going to take somebody who's willing to work for free, uh, you know, assuming that they have a decent resume. Yeah. Um, and, you know, within, within a few weeks, I was on their payroll. They saw... Right. You know, they saw what I was doing on the floor. And then within six months, I was negotiating a salary. And so everything worked out. But, you know, it's one of the things I always tell some of the kids coming up in the industry when they ask me, you know, how do I get started? I do tell them the story of me being 33 years old, because I think sometimes some of these kids are like, you know, there's some entitlement there or they feel the need to. It's like, you know what? Just if you're good. Yeah. Pimp yourself out, intern a year somewhere. If you're good, you won't be interning for you won't be interning for free. You'll right. get paid. You'll you'll get promoted. Um, but you have to be really open to do the grunt work and and put the work in if you really want to succeed in this business. Uh, and so you know, if I could do that at 33 years old, I yeah. think you, know, you could do it at 23 for sure. Exactly. I, you know, it's probably the same in any business. Yeah. 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 That. I mean, look that. That works across any industry, really. I think you just have to humble yourself and mm -hmm. and be open and learn and listen and and do good work and be on time. That's another thing. Be on time. Oh my God! Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, this has been great. See, I mean, what I love is to just like open up the conversation, see where it goes. It was so great. Thank you for for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and, my pleasure. And we'll stay connected, yeah? You got it, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye-bye, bye. I hope you enjoyed that at least half as much as I did. He is quite a guy. You can follow him at Jose Rilan Events on TikTok or Instagram at NYC Gay Dad. And you can follow me on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. And we both have websites. His is JoseRolanEvents.com. Mine is DougWintersMusic.com. As always, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and let's get ready for some serious partying in 2021. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.